Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70 celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I'm Ted Berg, joined as always by the Athletics Mets beat writer Tim Britton. And Tim, we've got some news uh, that you very much predicted on this show last time we spoke. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just about everyone following the Mets uh, pr- predicted, uh, you know, once we heard from Sandy Alderson last week that, that Luis Rojas was not going to be back as the Mets manager in 2022. You know, Alderson saying last week that, you know, they had to make certain decisions before they hired a president of baseball operations and that those decisions would be made with the potential hire in mind and, and maintaining flexibility, I think was the the word he used. Yeah. Uh, and when you say that, that's saying like, that's that means not bringing back the manager. It, it probably means we have not heard yet, uh, but not bringing back most, if not all, of the coaching staff as well. I think Jeremy Hefner, as, as the pitching coach, probably has the best chance uh, of staying with the Mets, and even that is not a sure thing at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, so, you know, this was this was the first domino in the off season. I think, uh, you know, it, it happened. It happened quickly. It happened on Monday afternoon, the day after the season ended. Uh, that's that's generally the considerate thing to do. You don't you don't want to make these guys uh, sit around and wait for a week or something. Uh, the Mets kind of did that last time with Mickey Calloway waiting, I think, until Friday uh, of the the week after the season to to make the move. So, you know, this is this is what uh, I think we were all ready for. Um, you know, we can talk about. The, the pros and cons of, of letting go of Luis Rojas. We can talk about candidates for the manager position. Uh, the, the candidates is tough to go through at this point because we don't know who's making that hire. And mm-hmm. that's probably the, the bigger thing. Like the, the Mets are going to be manager lists for a little while here. It's, it's going to be a longer time than usual without one because they've got to do the hiring above that first. Right. And but I do want to talk a little bit about I guess you said we can talk about pros and cons. So let's talk a little. I mean, you know, I think the pros are pretty obvious, right? The the new president of baseball operations, the new GM get a a clean slate with the manager to hire whoever their person is. Um, and that's a that's got to be a pro, right? You want to you want to know that the manager's on the same page as the front office, as you've pointed out several times, like the last the, the Rojas himself and and Callaway like there the, there has never really been um that sort of like synchronicity between uh or at least hasn't been for several years that the 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 GM having someone we know is is his guy as the manager and so that's an advantage I think moving forward but the con is um it seems like Luis Rojas is a is a good baseball guy it seems like the the players did like him a lot it seems like a lot of what went wrong this year wasn't really his fault. Uh, there were some questionable tactical decisions, certainly, but every single manager in, in the majors is is guilty of that to some extent. Um, and I guess the Met fan, like, hey, Paul Seawald is a really good pitcher now, and Chris, Chris Flexen is the ace of a nearly playoff team. 
that paranoia for me is like, okay, now Luis Rojas is going to go manage the Padres next year and win 103 games. <laughs> yeah. So the, the pro you're right. Like, uh, you know, it's been since the start of 2018, really that the Mets have had the, the guy who hired the manager and the manager working together. Uh, and that was Alderson and Callaway for just a couple of months uh, before Alderson uh, took a leave of absence because, you know, Brody Van Wagenen inherited Callaway and let him go after a year. Uh, and then uh, you had uh, Alderson inherit Rojas and let him go after a year. So uh, it'll be good to have that proper dynamic of a, a, a head baseball executive who hired a manager and works with him. Um, with Rojas, like you said, I, I don't think the reason he's not coming back as manager is because he didn't intentionally walk Brian De La Cruz or anything like that. He should have. I think, <laughs> you know, Luis Diaz has been excellent since then, by the way. <laughs> he, he, yeah, changed a, a career changing event for Luis Diaz. Um, I, I think when you look at it, uh, there, there was really for the last couple of months, you felt this, this growing disconnect between how, uh, the clubhouse in general viewed itself and its talent and how the front office was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this goes back to even before the trade deadline. If you remember like Zach Scott talking about how they'd been a mediocre team for most of the season uh, and the, the Mets clubhouse talking about, you know, how, how much talent there was in the room and how confident they were uh, that, that they were going to contend not just for the National League East, but for a, a National League pennant. Uh, and as things kind of spiraled on them in August and September, uh, that, you know, Rojas with his even keeled demeanor, with his, his positivity, uh, for the most part, there were times where he was harsher on them wasn't able to, to steer them out of that skid. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, that he, you know, the players really liked him. There are times when the players and a manager get along too well. Uh, and that, you know, uh, if the front office certainly views this core group, the core group of position players as uh, one that hasn't had the results that you're looking for from a core group. And they're, they're thinking about shaking it up. And I think Rojas is a guy who thinks that core group is good enough. You know, he, mm-hmm. he knows them very well from his time in the minor leagues. Um, and, and maybe they want more of an outside perspective, a guy who hasn't come up with these guys the same way uh, as Luis Rojas has. I'll, I'll say this, you know, I've covered, I was doing the counting uh, yesterday because I've, I've covered baseball for 13 years. If you count my, my two years as an intern for MLB.com, one with the Mets, one with the Yankees, and I've been a beat writer for 11 uh, and I've covered 10 different managers uh, and and Luis was probably the easiest and nicest to deal with mm-hmm. um, as a as a reporter. Uh, he was uh, just really approachable, really personable. Like you could talk to him about a lot of different things, and that's pretty remarkable considering the circumstances. In that, like we couldn't talk to him in person for a very long period for for the majority of his tenure, uh, and so he was, uh, you know, from that perspective, uh, it's tough to see him move on because I liked him a lot as a person. Uh, and I, I do wish him the best. And, and like you mentioned the, the Seawald and Flexen thing. Uh, I think there, I think that concern is legitimate. Um, because you know, you think about like, why is Chris Flexen good now when he was never good with the Mets? And you think that, well, the Mets didn't give him the proper chance to succeed. You know, mm-hmm. Chris Flexen wasn't good as a Met because uh, he was making emergency spot starts with little notice and not on normal rest because he was being shifted back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen because they'd call him up and then he'd sit for nine days and they'd be like, okay, go out, throw the 17th inning of this game and, and, and close it down. You know, like that's not giving the guy the best chance to succeed at the major league level. Uh, and now in Seattle, he has like 
he is pitching like a normal pitcher, like he's gotten that that chance. Uh, and you look at Rojas, and the Mets did not give him the best chance to succeed as a manager. You know, he was here for 220 games, and he worked with four different general managers, one of whom he never even met in person, in Jared Porter. Uh, you know, he, he had to adapt to a lot of uh, weird circumstances. Uh, and so there's there's a lot there that you say, like, give this guy the proper context to be a manager uh, and he's probably got a better chance of success than he had in New York that doesn't mean you you hold on to him just because of that uh, and we'll, we'll see if the he stays within the organization the Mets have given him that opportunity um, I, th- I think there's a chance you know th- this is a guy who's been with the Mets since since 2007 uh, and and feels uh, really connected to the organization one, one of the things uh, he mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, when I was talking to him was how much he dislikes the like that's so Mets idea mm-hmm. uh, and how he, he takes that personally uh, in a way Good. that, you know, I've never really heard anyone else with the Mets say that before. Um, so so he does have, a, I think, loyalty to the organization. But, you know, this is all they're also essentially firing him. Uh, and if there's another organization that wants to give him a, a job on a major league coaching staff or something like that, I am I'm reasonably sure that he would he would opt for that instead. Uh so I, I think you see both sides of it here, uh, but I think this was a move be- because you were bringing in a new head baseball executive uh, that makes it simpler to do. If they were, you know, if they had a a president of baseball ops and they were keeping that guy, then it would have been a little a little trickier. We would have gone deeper, I think, into the pros and cons of this. But I think because you were bringing someone new, uh, it makes sense to to kind of start fresh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to make one point on Chris Flexen, which I know is very much uh, an, a tangent from from the subject of this podcast. But uh, I will say in the Mets defense that that Flexen went to Korea in 2020, um, pitched more than than most major leaguers did in 2020, for sure, because the, they had a much longer season there. Uh, also seems to have like pretty clearly learned something or made some adjustment while pitching overseas, which is something we've seen uh, of players before, like Miles Michaelis, I believe had that same situation uh and a few other guys um it there was like if you look at the stats like there's a there's a clear indication that that a, a switch flipped for chris flexen and i don't know how much i want to say like yeah okay so the mets that potential was clearly there right and and you know why should the the Doosan, i think it's the Doosan bears right 
Um, mm-hmm. Why should they be able to unlock it and not the Mets? Yeah, like that's a fair criticism, but um, that is a phenomenon we have seen before, and it does seem like that's that's what's going on and what happened with with Chris Flexen. Um, back to uh, the manager. Wait, 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 I just I just need to I just need to throw in. It's great you said uh, about Dusan unlocking it. Uh, unlock it because you know who's who's one of Dusan's aces this season. I don't is is Walker Lockett, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. the former Met, uh, who's got a, a sub three ERA for the Bears in twenty one starts. So uh, um, get so, ready, get ready for that next year. Which makes me Walker wonder, Lockett. like, hey, who's the Dusan Bears pitching coach, <laughs> and like, what's he doing next season? You know, like, I mean, I, and and like that sounds, I guess that sounds glib, but like, I don't know, I would be, I would be open to absolutely anything if I were the Mets, and um, I guess there there would be some probably some hiccups with like translation but uh someone communicated to chris flexen and i'm not sure that he speaks korean <laughs> it seems like it's working out for them so let, let's see what what it could do over here i'm serious i mean you know like i said like uh, you know there there are like and it's it's like sort of that same idea you said of like having an, an outside eye an objective eye right like um i think back to like the the I mean, Roldis Chapman was was one case, and and a bunch of like the early wave of Japanese pitchers all threw weighted balls to train it and train. And at that time, it was like unheard of, and it seemed like people said like you're gonna they're gonna rip up their arms. It was it was not recommended. And now every guy throws weighted balls to train, right? Like they were the 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 East was. Clear and Cuba um, were clearly ahead of the U.S. in like that aspect of pitcher training, and so like it's certainly not uh, inconceivable that they that this pitching coach in Doosan and like this this is not something I've thought about before. This like I, I don't know who it is, I don't know anything about him, but like if you're the new president of baseball operations for the New York Mets under ten billion dollar owner Steve Cohen, like. And there's a guy out there, no matter where he is, or a woman, and wherever they are in the world, that can like get the best out of your players. Like, go find him. You know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I that sounds like pie in the sky a little bit, but like, why not? <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at their roster, and Ariel Miranda, who also is an ex-Met, has an even better ERA See? <laughs> this year: two, three, three, and twenty-four starts. So, whatever Dusan is doing, is well, <laughs> there's also I think that the Korean League. I don't know how it's been the last few years, but I know that they had like a a, a few years where there were like wild swings in league-wide numbers because they were, I think, like adjusting the ball for a few years. And there was like one year where no one hit and one year where everyone hit. But uh, Doosan, you know, 792 team OPS. So it doesn't seem outrageous. Like that's a pretty good offensive environment, I would guess. And and like you said, like, yeah, uh, Chris Flexen, Raul Alcantara, like there are a bunch of guys having, having really nice seasons or who had really nice seasons there over the last couple of years. So I, I don't know. This is an idea I just came to, but I'm calling whoever is the pitching coach of the Doosan Bears if I'm if they put me in charge and they should. Back to Rojas. And we're bringing back Walter and we're bringing back Walter Lockett. Um, you mentioned Ron Washington. <laughs> Uh, is, is, so I, my sense, and I don't think this is true, but my guess would be 
Get if the Mets hired Ron Washington to be their manager, and Ron Washington is a very popular guy around baseball, like you said in your column, um, he I, he's known as like a I, a wonderful uh, infield coach, like he you know for for teaching guys how to work with their hands, uh, footwork, all those things. Like if you uh, even if you see him anywhere in spring training, wherever he's coaching, like he'll always have. Uh, infielders around him doing drills and and I've seen him explain some of them like in in really uh, interesting and straightforward terms and and help you understand how they make players better like he seems like a very good coach and he's had some success as a manager but my expectation would be if the Mets hired them hired him you'd get a lot of Mets fans disappointed simply because he's a guy who has been around the league and who isn't like it's not it's not sexy to hire on Washington. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't, it's sexy to hire, I guess, Carlos Beltran, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. That's what the Mets tried last yes. time. I think I think when you look at, at, at the reason I mentioned Washington was because, you know, he was a finalist in San Diego a couple of years ago when they hired Jace Tingler. I think it was down to Tingler in Washington. Uh, and the, the Padres, I think, can say pretty clearly. Now, I, we're recording this on, on Tuesday morning. I don't know if they've officially fired Tingler yet, but I, th- I believe everything was moving in that direction there, uh, that that was probably the wrong decision for them, uh, that, that Washington would have made more sense uh, for them. And I think, you know, for some of the same reasons that he could make more sense for the Mets as a, a team that could use someone who has has won as a big league manager before, you know, Ron Washington, despite like a miserable last season in Texas in 2014, has a, a record above 500. He won 90 plus games in four straight years. Uh, he won 87 plus games in five straight years and, and you know, won two pennants with the Rangers. Um, you know, he's won at the big league level. He's experienced with, uh, you know, he, he works with current players it's not like he's out of touch in Mm -hmm. any way despite being a veteran manager which i think is is one of the concerns you would have with some other guys uh, who haven't stayed in the game the way that that washington has um you know his in-game moves if you remember thinking back to the 2011 world series between him uh and tony larusa it was not like uh a series of brilliant maneuvers by both sides um the world series is often not a series of brilliant maneuvers by both sides uh i I just remember when you know dusty baker was brought up as a candidate for the mets job the when they hired beltron every fan was like how could you hire dusty baker he knows he's the worst in-game manager you can have uh and and dusty baker has just won a division with his fifth different major league team like you know there's more to it than what happens between seven and ten as we've talked about a lot Uh, it's harder to evaluate those other things without being in there Uh, but uh, I think that's those are the more important aspects of being a manager especially now where a lot of what you do between seven and ten isn't necessarily dictated by you or your philosophy (laughs) so uh, I I thought you know it's I don't know how realistic Washington individually is for the Mets, but I think that's the kind of person they, that makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, a guy, you know, you're going to hear different uh, assistant coaches from major league teams. Uh, you know, Joe Espada was a guy that that they had talked to uh, a couple of years ago before they hired Beltron. That type of, of guy, you know, Washington is in the same vein, except he has the major league experience uh, of managing the Rangers for several years and, and being successful at it. So uh, I think that's... Uh, that's the reason he stands out, at least to me, very early in the process before we even know who's going to be doing the hiring. Yeah, um, I guess I would like to just head off at the past the notion that uh, someone like Ron Washington, someone like Dusty Baker, who they're not going to hire um, because he's got a job and doing well at it. But like a guy like that 
um, couldn't succeed in contemporary baseball. Um, and because, and, and I know I brought this up, I think last week, um, Terry Collins had a, as miserable a stint with the angels as you could possibly imagine a manager having like the, there was a clubhouse mutiny. And if you talk to angels fans, they said like, this guy put himself in front of the team, which is like, you know, a cardinal sin for a manager. Um, and then you think about Terry Collins' tenure with the Mets, and it's like, that's just not that guy at all, right? Like, you, you think about um, the ass in the jackpot video, and like, how much he cared about his players, like, there was just, like, so much, like, weird sort of tenderness of it to him. Um, and he said it himself, like, he changed. And, and so I think we, um, you get a lot of, like, arguments based on cliches like people will just say well a leopard can't change its spots and like and act like that's a good enough argument for like why a guy should or shouldn't be the Mets manager and that's not true of human beings right like even even if you're in your 60s or 70s like you could still be learning and adjusting and and you know, keeping yourself viable in baseball it's it's probably harder to do you need to have an open mind but um, these people are in the top, you know, 0.01% of people in their profession. And so, uh, there's gotta be a reason Ron Washington's still around and still a managerial candidate. Right. And, and, you know, has connected with players in Atlanta. Certainly, I think, uh, our, our David O'Brien, uh, who covers the Braves for the athletic wrote uh, a long thing with, with Washington in the last week, uh, that, that shows the way, you know, he's got a, a, fantastic way of putting things at, at times when you talked about kind of the way the Mets and Phillies let the Braves left left them stick around in the division and then uh, blow by them in the month of August uh, but the the connection that he still has with his infielders uh, and you're right like you know we were in I was in Atlanta uh, over the weekend and every day uh, before you know while the rest even before the Braves take batting practice or don't take batting practice depending on the day uh, Washington is out there uh, playing pepper basically with each different infielder on his knees um, you know hitting them quick ground balls uh, and that you know you, you, look Gary DeSarcina does that a lot with the Mets as well mm -hmm. uh, but you know it's you see him doing all of the things that that a coach needs to be doing. There, there doesn't seem to be a huge ego there. I, I think so. He just stands out early to me, but I, I'm sure that we are going to hear a lot of different candidates. I'm sure he's going to be a candidate elsewhere as well uh, this off season because I think you know you look at some of the uh, reasons teams are, teams with talent have not succeeded, uh, and a, a lot of it can be like a communications issue, a lack of experience issue, a a front office and manager. Uh, either being too tight or not not tight at all issue. Um, these are all different ways of talking about the Padres. Um, and teams, may, maybe you see teams go in a different direction uh, for, from what they've done in the last couple of years in hiring younger, uh, less experienced people. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. John Heyman tweeted earlier this week, Mets will soon contact Theo Epstein regarding their baseball president job and plan to request permission to interview Billy Bean and David Stearns after their clubs are out. Um, at the time, he said the A's are done soon Sunday and pointed out the Brewers may linger for a while. Um, 
So uh, Heyman wrote, Theo could be up first as Mets try for a proven star. These are all names we've talked about before. Um, I don't know like how, how, um, and not to undercut John's reporting, just like, I, you know, of course they're going to contact Theo Epstein, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that that was not a surprise, I think, to anyone uh, that they're at least going to chat with him. Uh, I don't, uh, I've said this really since since. Theo left the Cubs last year. I don't think it's happening here. Why? Um, Why would you do that if of, you're Theo Epstein? Right, exactly. Um, I thought you were you were going in the other direction no. with your exasperation. I um, am exasperated. I, yeah. I would love him to be the Mets president, but I, well, if I'm Theo Epstein, I'm not going to not touch him with like a thirty foot pole. Yeah, you, you've you've <laughs> done it with the Red Sox. You've done it with the Cubs. Doing it with the Mets is not as romantic uh, as as uh, winning a, a World Series with those other franchises uh, and. You know, I, I think what he would want is I, I, people have said, sorry, I, I have not done this reporting myself, but people have said what he's looking for is essentially what Derek Jeter has in Miami, which is like uh, you are part of ownership and you are running the team from that level. Uh, and that position, uh, the Mets don't have it yet. And they're, Steve Cohen is not going to create that position because Steve Cohen takes an a more active interest in how this team operates than uh, Bruce Sherman in Miami, who is the, the guy who the control person there. So I, you know, if you're Theo Epstein, you, what you want doesn't exist exactly the way you want it in Queens. Uh, so I, I think he's got the freedom to decide, you know, if, and when he wants to, to rejoin a team. Uh, I don't think the conditions for that exist with the Mets. Uh, you know, Bean and Stearns are the other two big names, uh, and, and Bean did not close off speculation. Certainly yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, in Oakland when he said, uh, that, you know, he takes it as a compliment that people are interested in the, the staff and that he doesn't respond to stories like this. He hasn't followed the news. Uh, sure. And which is uh, all interesting to see. Uh, he's caught up in that soccer. He's no. caught up in, in, in Premier League soccer again, I guess. Yeah, but he, he didn't say no. Um, you know, so it, it, I think I think there might be a little bit more interest from being I don't. I don't know that it means like he wants the job, but I think there might be more of a like when he taught if if and when he talks to the Mets, uh, he would he would think about uh, he'd be intrigued by what they have to offer. And he'd contemplate it probably on a deeper level than Epstein at this point. Yeah. Um, on that re- regarding the, the request for permission thing, and I think we've been dis- we've discussed this at, at pretty great length, but like. Sandy Alderson's got Billy Bean's phone number, right? Like, like, do you really need, I don't know, do you, can you not have like some sort of, is it, is it tampering to have like, a, just to see like, hey, what's up, man? How are you loving Oakland? Like, what's, what's going on with your job there? How do you, you know, not say like, are you interested? Just like, hey, you ever think about maybe making a change? <laughs> Sandy Alderson is just sending him pictures of, of uh, foliage and how nice it is in New York yeah, this time of year. And, and and wouldn't it be wonderful to be driving to a postseason game in Queens this afternoon, right? You know, uh, I, I am not sure exactly how the tampering rules work. Uh, I am sure that uh, executives are allowed to have conversations with one another. Well, they're friends, uh, they probably, right? They're friends. They're, yeah. I mean, I mean, Bean has talked about... about uh, idolizing sandy alderson in the past not just like as a mentor but as an idol uh so yeah they they get along and, and alderson obviously in 2019 uh sorry in, in 2020 uh maybe it was 19 and 20 spent time in the a's front office again kind of as an advisor with, with billy bean so yeah like that i am sure that you know if, if billy bean really didn't want this job that sandy alderson would know by now uh so i think there is 
Uh, I don't know how to characterize the interest, but I think there is some interest on his part. Yeah. And on being like I was suggesting on Epstein, like there is and and like I said before, being it's like there this is a solid opportunity to tarnish your reputation. And for Epstein, I think that's like an extreme case. Like you if you were Theo Epstein, like you've been in charge of two teams and you ended both of their legendary World Series curses, right? Like I I don't understand. I don't know how you ever go near running a baseball team again because you need to be he's obviously smart. He must know how unlikely any team president is to uh to pilot a team to winning the World Series. Like unless he's so arrogant as to think like he is significantly better at this than every one of these guys who like came up under him and are now running other franchises. Then if I'm Theo Epstein, it's like, you know what? Like, I'm good with the commissioner's office doing something else. I, I, I want people to think about me every team, every time a team needs a president for the rest of my life, but I'm never going to do it. The kind of Bill Cower NFL coach route. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, if, if Epstein had just taken the Costanza departure at right. like the end of 2016, it was just like, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I've done it. Harper uh, Lee, right? That yeah. is his, his, his legacy might be even stronger uh, at this point. So, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I think Mets fans often uh, or there's a, at least a, a section of Mets fans who view the Mets as being in the same vein as the Red Sox and Cubs. Uh, and not they're, true. They're not, which is is good because it means that that they're uh, they're title drought is 50 years shorter than Boston's was uh, and even long, you know another seven another 22 years on top of that for uh, Chicago and you know and, and for Epstein Boston was the hometown team so that that had obviously uh, even greater appeal uh, for him at that point so uh, yeah I you know there I guess there's a chance that he has interest in that the that Steve Cohen is able to sell him on the idea or, or just pay him enough to make him interested mm-hmm. uh, you know you can give him like like John Gruden did not seem all that interested in returning to the NFL to coach and then they gave him a hundred million dollars right and he became more interested uh, you know maybe there's that possibility although that's not necessarily the guy you want to hire is the guy who's doing it for the paycheck uh, the Knicks know that with like Phil Jackson right so uh, it it'll be an interesting dynamic to see how it works out but i i still think that epstein is less likely uh than than most of the others we have a question related to this topic it comes from doug berman who's who's asked us a few questions in the past always smart questions uh i love this one he says um i was listening to your discussion of of front office poaching etiquette last week that other clubs are normally given permission to speak to an employee about a job if they're offering a promotion a boost in pay and title um And as you pointed out, this led to title inflation. He said, what if the Mets decide not to hire a president of baseball operations first, but a team president who manages a president of baseball operations, which would be our new title for general manager? Sandy Alston becomes executive VP for business and operations, since presumably he doesn't care about things as mundane as titles anymore. Then you say, hello, Tampa Bay. We'd like to talk to Mr. Neander about a promotion to team president. It looks like he's a lowly president of baseball operations now. Um, Hello, Mr. Milwaukee. We're looking, we're wondering if... Uh, Mr. Stearns might like to move his career along with a step up to a team president position. Um, And as he points out, like president of baseball operations is a new thing that teams invented to do exactly this. Like, 
why not keep going? And like, I would say, push it even further, like make up new titles, like you are the baseball czar and you are in charge of everything and there's no title above this. Um, we are just going to call you, uh, as long as you work for our team, you're like, you're, we're just calling you, uh, the baseball god and that's it. Like, there's no better title. We will never give anyone ever, uh, permission to, to talk to you ever because you, we've given you the top title. Emperor of baseball Emperor operations. Of baseball. You get to decide everything. Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, I was trying to look up uh, like what the the Blue Jays and Mark Shapiro, uh, Shapiro, Mark Shapiro, Shapiro. Um, you know, because he had been uh, Cleveland's, I think, team president, might have been president of baseball ops. And then he got team president and CEO of the Blue of, of Toronto uh, when they were hiring for more of a business side of things. Uh, I think it'd be difficult for the Mets be, to I don't know exactly how you carve out that position, especially because the position that Doug is describing is literally the one that Sandy Alderson already has the title for. Uh, You you would have to shift there. Uh, I think the more interesting question would be like, what does adding potential ownership stakes do um, to the, the calculus? Does that count as a promotion if you're willing to offer that kind of equity in the franchise? Uh, because uh, Epstein has talked about wanting that uh, moving forward to have a, a stake in ownership, not just decision making wise, but but financially. Uh, Billy Bean already has that in Oakland. Uh, so, again, it wouldn't be a promotion for him. But you would think that he might want to match that uh, in a move to New York. Uh, Stearns doesn't have that in Milwaukee. Uh, I think if it would probably be considered tampering if through back channels you let him know that that would be a possibility uh, in New York. Uh, if he wanted to kind of nudge his way out of Milwaukee. Uh, so it's, it is strange, uh, you know, Andrew Baggerly at The Athletic wrote about this uh, early, about a month ago now in September with Farhan Zaidi uh, and the Giants that the, the way the, the, that Major League Baseball does it with all of these, like none of these titles are standardized really across the sport. You have a lot of general managers who are executive vice president or senior vice president, um, and general manager, like Brian Cashman, for instance, is not a president of baseball ops. He's, a, I think, a senior vice president and general manager. The Mets could conceivably offer him a promotion and talk to him that way. Uh, Heim Bloom in Boston is not a president of baseball ops. He's the chief baseball executive, chief baseball officer. He's a CBO, not a PBO. Uh, so, See, but that's a made-up title, right? That's Doug's point. Like, that's not a real. That's not a job. Like, no one, no one has that job at any other company, right? Like, there's no right. like Campbell Soup doesn't have a chief chief baseball operator, uh, chief, officer. chief soup officer. Right. Uh, whereas, like the NFL, everything is uh, standardized across franchises, so every team has the same kind of hierarchy. It's it's actually more complex when you get below the general manager level and you start to get into assistant general managers. And um, I'm trying to remember what the title was for Adam Guttridge when he was with the Mets. He was one of Brody Van Wagenen's like number number two people right behind him. Uh, but it was, you know, it was like director of advancement or something uh, and assistant general manager. You know, they, they put different titles on uh, what you're heading up below the general manager level. It's probably time considering we've got teams trying to talk to other people uh, from other organizations uh, as frequently as they do to make it more standardized across the sport. I think that make it easier for everyone involved to know what's promotion and what's not. Um, I'd, it, it'd be interesting to see how the Mets would try to finagle their way around that, especially with uh, someone like Stearns. Uh, ne- Neander, I, I think we, I, you can't even really consider. He just signed a five-year extension. Mm-hmm. Like, 
three weeks ago. Uh, so he's not going to leave Tampa. Uh, he doesn't want to leave Tampa, is my understanding. Uh, and, yeah, but he you could know, be emperor wanted, of baseball. He could be emperor of baseball. If if he wanted to leave Tampa for the Mets, he wouldn't have signed that deal. <laughs> like he could have, he could have just left no problem this winter. Uh, so uh, they could they could maybe try. I, I think the rest of the league would would be onto it uh, and would not like it. I think. Oh, like, but someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it, right? Like that. And and Doug sort of made that point in a PS. Like hopefully no other executive listened to it. You know, I mean, this everybody wants a competitive advantage. If that's the move you got to make to to hire someone, like someone's going to do that. And why can't it for once be the Mets? Like the, the president of baseball operations kind of evolved organically. I don't know who the first one to have that title was. I feel like, you know, like Dave Dombrowski has had it at most of his stops. I think going back to Detroit, he's had it at least. I thought Shapiro was before that. I thought Shapiro was pretty early with that, too. Right. When they like promoted him out of the GM spot. Right. And that was that was about a decade ago. I think it was I'm looking at his Wikipedia page because I was looking him up earlier. That was at the end of 2010. Yeah, Uh, I, I do think it existed a little bit before then. Um but I, you know, I don't know for sure. That that's a harder. I, I tried looking that up recently. It was a harder thing to to track down than than I like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, someone's going to try it at some point. I don't know what you, you like. We joke about emperor and, <laughs> and king of baseball operations. Like, I don't know uh, what you how you come across to that. Like, like how you go about that. Uh, and I think the Mets would be. Uh, it would be transparent enough of an undertaking uh, that that the ownership of other teams who might be skeptical of Steve Cohen to begin with would do their very best to prevent it from happening. Well, and Steve Cohen certainly doesn't seem like a, a guy to bend the rules to his advantage. <laughs> um, we will be back to talk about all of this stuff. Which I, I assume will still be very much in the air next week while the postseason is ongoing and the Mets are not. Yes, and we'll have a lot of different offseason topics to to tackle over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, I laid out a bunch of them uh, on the, the website uh, this week uh, with this winter in Mets, all the decisions they've got to make. Um but you know the the free agent stuff and all that is is gonna you know obviously that waits till the till after the season. Uh, but but so much of the decision making we, we don't we still don't know who's making the decisions and that's that's uh, the the most important hire and I, I've said it it might be as important a hire as the Mets have made uh, in their history. So that that's the focus for them right now. It is undoubtedly a big big off season for the Mets and we will be around to talk about it for sure. Tim, peace out. Adios.